Quinn looked to the horizon as the corn stalks swayed with the breeze. The corn itself could have been waving hello, or it could have been breathing. Adam Caesar, clown in a cornfield. Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by author Adam Caesar to discuss his new young adult horror novel, Clown in a Cornfield, coming out in August from Harper Teen. Adam, welcome to the show. This is the this is the most professional podcast introduction I've I've <laughs> ever been a part of. Thank you, Stephanie. Uh, thanks for having me on the on the show. <laughs> Sorry, I should have had the air horns blast in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, where's the reggaeton air horn? In? Yeah. So, I know you're a big horror fan. What's your history with horror? Uh, my history with horror? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think my history with horror is it's all movies and books are all kind of wrapped up for me and all, all, all kind of tangled up. And I feel like I don't have a, a particular one inciting event of, yeah. of, of horror. I've just always like some of my earliest memories are kind of going to the video store and like passing the horror section and like being scared, but compelled by the yeah. the kind of covers. So that was before even like being able to read. I feel like there my the, the supermarket uh, that we used to go to uh, on Long Island would had this, like had, had a little video rental section. I don't people that doesn't happen so much now. Those covers and being like, Oh, that's that movie's not for me, but it's, but I want it to be. Um, so like that, and then and then a combined just being in a household where reading was valued, and um, in a household where it was like, no, you, you can choose to like what you kind of want to like. So I always very early gravitated towards, no, I want to read the scary stuff. I want to read the spooky stuff. So I think that's that's kind of my history of horror, where it's like it's not a super compelling, interesting answer because it's like I can't think of a time where it wasn't horror, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I can't think of a time where I wasn't into scary stuff. And like the, like when I was in middle school and high school, when I had a teacher that called me morbid. Like I, I that's <laughs> like, that's the kind of kid I was. And it's like, not like, and I'm not trying to like big time anyone with like my horror cred. It's just like, that's just it. It's always been that. And I love, I love all other kinds of movies. I like Disney movies. I like Westerns. Like I, I like, mm-hmm. I like a lot of different things and I'm a, a film fan and a book fan. And I like, I like literary fiction and things, and I like reading plays. Uh, so, but, but the if I circle back to a genre, it's always horror. That's I can see that. I'm the same way, and I I do remember our grocery store had a little video rental place too. Right after the checkout, you'd go and you'd look around. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. After the checkout, it was like separated a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it was its own kind of business, but it was in the video store. Like that's that's like a piece of nostalgia. You don't get a. A lot of like people talk about like mom and pop video stores and stuff like that. No one has nostalgia for the like the most mundane of like of video stores. Um, but yeah, now they used to be there. Yeah. I remember that going to pick up like Nickelodeon movies, Harriet the Spy, stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah. Oh, that was- <laughs> so tell us about Clown in a Cornfield for people that don't know what it's about. 
Clown in the Cornfield is uh, about a teenager. It's a YA book. They're, they're all about teenagers. But it is about a, a young woman who um, her her and her dad kind of go through some like personal tragedy. And uh, the dad's actually taking having a harder time coping than the daughter is. And, um, and she's our protagonist. And, and her name's Quinn. And we follow her as like this this attempt to kind of have the dad get his footing leads to he takes a job in the middle of the country. They're from Philadelphia. They move to um, Kettle Springs, Missouri, the small town where it's like a very big change of pace for her. Uh, and it's, it's, it's about that. A lot of it's about that central relationship of like of the, the mother and the daughter or the father and the daughter and and her trying to assimilate into this life, into this kind of small town life that's very different than what she grew up with. But at the same time, she's walking into kind of a slasher movie she didn't know she was walking into. There is like a, there's there is an original sin in this town. The kids of this town uh, are, are are having to atone for something. And she's literally walking in right in the middle of this this clown friend of the clown. It is the, the Kettle Springs mascot. He is taking out people left and right. And, and they're trying to figure out why and what's going on. So that's that's Clown in the Cornfield. <laughs> it is a literary slasher novel uh, for for teens and adults. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, I haven't gotten to talk to a lot of people who've read it. So it's very, very cool to talk to you. And it's even cooler that you liked it. Yeah, I know Rachel and I both liked it a lot. And it reminded me of like, I don't know, the kind of like 90s teen slashers that I don't I haven't seen in a while. Just kind of like the fun of that. It had a lot of depth to it. Like you said, I can definitely see the literary thing talking about uh, the issues, like the tragedy of why she is there and touching a little bit on, you know, a generational divide and a lot of other stuff. And I just, I really liked it. And I don't want to scare anyone <laughs> off with saying literary. I was like, it's like literary <laughs> with a very little L. It's, 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 it is a, it's yeah. a pulp novel, but it is, it is, yeah. it is. It has themes. I tried. <laughs> Not to worry. It is a lot of fun. Can't put down type of story. Why did you decide to go YA this time? It's a weird chicken or the egg kind of conversation because I kind of realized I was talking with, you know, Patrick Lacey. Yeah. yeah. His oh, wife, yeah. Emily, um, is, a, is a writer as well and, and a poet. She's got like a, a master's degree in like y, or in YA fiction, like specifically in YA fiction. So I was like, I was having a conversation with her and it was, it was, I was just like, what is like defined for me? Like, what are the parameters? And she's like, there really are no parameters. It just has to have a teen protagonist. Like that has to be, the, that's like the one kind of golden rule. And then everything else, the lines all blur. And I was like, well, if you go by that way, measure that, that measurement, like I've written like three YA, like I've written like three books where they're, you know, teen protagonists so that they weren't marketed as YA. I, and I just think it's, I just saw it, and I like you kind of said that the I know what you did last summer's and the screams and the urban legends and the uh, there was that you know that was the last kind of great wave of slashers, and it's a genre I love so much and like from its inception and from like the proto slashers of like the seventies pre Halloween proto slashers to like the most formalized gore movies of like the eighties and it's just not a it's not a a genre it's a it's an endemically filmic genre so it's not you don't get a lot of slasher books like you, you get some and especially more in the indie side you get you get some and i've written like a couple uh but you just it felt to me like if you're gonna do a teen slasher it's a ya novel um yeah. in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and 
I just wanted to do like I just wanted to do the best possible version of that because it's a genre I love so much that I like and I was also like well if this is going to be my first YA book and if you know kids are going to be picking this up like I say kids but I mean teens I don't mean to belittle any any teens listening because they are uh, smart people I'm like naturally anxious guy so I was like this is a kid's first horror book like like we were talking about like like if, if someone the the cover's awesome Matt Ryan Tobin did an amazing cover so it's like if a kid saw that cover and they hadn't read they're not they don't have the the, the, the background in horror that we have they're like oh let me try a scary book and then I'd be so bummed if they were like well it sucked and then like they never tried it again so I was just like I'm gonna swing as hard for the fences as I possibly can in this go and that that's 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 why it's YA this time <laughs> that's awesome and that is putting a, a bit of pressure on yourself well it's not I, I, I don't want to I'm not I'm not like I'm not saying in like a conceited way. I'm not like, oh, well, it's the best slash. I was just saying yeah. I wanted to do the best I humanly could do just in case it was uh, some teen's first horror book. So, and sure. I wanted people who liked my stuff to enjoy it too. So it's, you know, it's got to please a lot of masters and hopefully it does. I'm sure it will. Um, so your other books were published on the indie side. So did you notice any differences with going the traditional route this time? The process is very similar until you get to a certain point. And you're like, wait a second, like they are putting this through the paces to a level I have not yet had to kind of answer for. My other books are very good, <laughs> but there's a level of polish and a level of this all has to add up and has this has to be good and your prose has to be as on point as it can be, which I really appreciated. And it was just, it was, it was more people on an email chain. It was more editors kind of putting different hats on, like, which I liked. I felt like I was supported by and I enjoyed the process. Just a little different, like... And there is a certain amount of, not freedom, but like there is a certain, something to like the indie scene, like something like, like the con season, which, which I, it's only, that's like the only book that I truly self-published. All the rest of them had, even if they were indie publishers, they had somewhat traditional editor relationship, acquiring relationship. But the con season is the one book where I fully put that out myself and I'd, you know, I'd hired like a copy editor and a line editor and things. And they made suggestions, but they're, they're like I had final cut on as purely as I could on that book. And it's just one one extra kind of guardrail uh, to is this telling the best story or is this telling the story in the best possible way? Uh, and I, I felt like there was a little bit more uh, a safety net there uh, where I wasn't just going crazy. Oh, I'll make the ending as ambiguous as possible, and people will be half the people will be super pissed, but the, the people that like it will really like it. Like there was, I, I wasn't gonna kind of get away with that at a certain extent. Um, there was the, there was always that reminder of like this is, you know, this is gonna be a hardcover in a lot of bookstores. Like you should try to make people happy and not upset them. <laughs> Which I guess I'm like I guess that just shows that I'm like a little bit of a troll with some of my books. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of horror does that. But yeah, I can see, especially like you said, if this is someone's first horror book, you don't want them throwing it across the room. No, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So in your books, you've dabbled in a lot of different sub-genres and types of stories. What would you say is your favorite? Is it the slasher like you mentioned earlier? I want to say it's a slasher, but that's like, it's kind of a boring answer because I like kind of just gave that answer. That's the thing. I, especially in the first, the first few books, I very consciously was like, what if I just do a different genre each time, like a different subgenre each time? And then I'll just do my putting my ego aside, like my version of a alien story, my version of a giant monster story, my version of a folk horror story. Like what if I just do that and like 
the thing that changes is my style is, is, is look, there's like the idea of like TV tropes, you know, that website, like TV tropes, yeah. like, there is a, a double-edged sword to the idea that everyone, not everyone's a critic, but everyone is, is more media savvy and more literary savvy than, than they've kind of ever been in like the history of TV movies and books. Like people know what the tropes are. People know what the, you know, the cliches of certain things are. I don't view the idea of a trope or the idea of, uh, of a story type as any kind of that's not a if i recognize a story type in a, in a in a movie i'm not immediately like oh it's you know it's one of those like it, there's only so many stories like i feel like some readers do kind of like you know, oh it was uh, un- it was predictable or unoriginal like there is there is some some kind of art in the telling like you could tell a familiar story in an interesting and artful and surprising way through your themes and characters so i really just don't i don't view my my books that way i don't view them as like oh this is i'm playing with these cliches i never say cliches i'd say like yes i'm engaging with these tropes in such a way to produce a book that's like video night it's about kids and aliens like yes it's reminiscent of night of the comet and night of the creeps a lot of night of movies uh but it i hope hopefully original in a certain way and same with summer job which is pre-midsummer but dealing with like things like the wicker man and city of the dead and um, so I just I really like the idea that there are these set subgenres and tropes in horror, and they off they're just a playground. They just offer you a a place to go and a and a and a and a world to kind of a shorthand to engage with an audience on. So I, I don't really I just I love them all. I, I don't I don't even have like a least favorite. I don't even have stuff like 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 maybe like zombies. I, I find myself a tiny bit turned off by like just and and even that I'm like full of baloney because I'll. Like my favorite movie is Dawn of the Dead. Like I, I love zombie stuff. Like I, like I, I, I love zombie stuff. It's just a certain level of like, well, we've seen a lot of that recently. Um, that's really the only thing. Like familiarity is the only thing that'll, or like over familiarity is the only thing that'll keep me away from something. Um, other than that, I like, I like it all. I like all genres, uh, subgenres. And have you made your way out to the Monroeville Mall out here? I have. I have. Or is that where you? Is that where you are? Yeah. Are you, uh, I've like looked it up because I'm. I, I'm a recent, not similar, within like seven years ago, re, uh, transplant to Philly. Um, my wife is uh, uh, from the area, kind of moved down here after school. And uh, when we like, <laughs> that, she was, she looked at me like I was crazy. Cause like the, like the first week we were down here, I'm like, oh, what are we going to do this weekend? We should go out to the Monroeville Mall. She's like, you realize it's like four hours away, right? I'm like, oh no. <laughs> one day, one day I'll get out there now that once there's malls again i'll i'll, I'll get out there yeah, yeah. yeah once there's yeah interaction with other people and stuff exactly but yeah i mean i think a lot of horror readers appreciate the tropes and people playing within the playgrounds of certain subgenres. i mean that's books in the freezer wouldn't be here without the the tropes and i think and i think horror genre like more than more than most fans of a lot of different things like a more, more more than like sci-fi and fantasy they're a lot more willing to kind of roll with that just because i don't know just because horror fans are better and i guess i know on your youtube channel you do a lot of movie book pairings so what pairings would go with clown in a cornfield that's a, that's a really good question um well I have a YouTube channel, and then recently I've gotten really lazy with the, what constitutes the book recommendation. It'll just be what I—it'll just be what I read that week, and it'll have no connective tissue to the thing. But I wanted—I want to think of an actual good one for uh, Clown. One of the people we're working with, Temple Hill Entertainment, is trying to make the movie of 
clown in a cornfield. Uh, and he had actually brought up a great, um, a great comparison because it's not super well seen. I, I mean, I think people know it and, and horror fans know it, but all the boys love Mandy Lane. I would say that is a, if, if we were going to say a, a, a movie to pair with this book, I, I would, I, I really like that movie. Uh, it stars Amber Heard. It's a slasher, but it's, it's post scream. So it's, it's taking it a little bit less meta, um, mm-hmm. a little bit more straightforward, but still adhering to the kind of the rules and the 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 structure of the of the traditional slasher. But it's it's surprising in a lot of ways. Um, I like that movie a lot. So I'd, that would be my if you're gonna if you're gonna read Clown in a Cornfield and you want a movie to go with it, I'd say All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Right. Uh, so yeah, you mentioned the movie option. Like, how's that going? It's it's been really good so far. I I I, I hesitate I hesitate to say anything other than uh, like anything like definitively because I feel yeah, like definitely. I've I've even like before I was writing and before I was like friendly with like authors and stuff like that. Like it, I, just as a fan, you'd see like announcements in like Fangoria or in, in Rumorg or whatever. It's like oh they're making a movie out of X Y and Z, and then you know they attach the director, they attach the star, and it's like oh yeah, and then five years later you'll be at a con and like you'll be talking to someone like when would that you know why did that fall apart or why did that ever so i'm also not trying to jinx myself but it would be great if it happened is yeah and they i they have a they have a script it's a great screenwriter i'm just waiting minute to minute and getting getting news about what it might be like you know when it might happen but i hope they do it but if if the movie gods don't you know don't see fit to to make it come to fruition still have the book and still very proud of it but um it'd be very cool to see a, a book that's a uh, slasher, which is slashers are usually movies translated <laughs> back to a book or translated back to a movie from a book to a movie. It'd be like, a, it'd be like a Xerox of a Xerox is it's, it's not meta at all. Like the, the book's not, I mean, you've read it. It's not like it's, it's not scream. There's no Randy character. There's no, I mean, I very purposely was like, what if none of these kids ever talks about harm movies? Like what if none of them like are that, that interested in it? So that was like kind of my challenge. I usually use characters that like, movies and like things i like i was like that's a that was a crutch for too long let me just let me just write a bunch of characters that different for them they're not just like this is like right of the 13th part three like none of them are thinking that as they're like running for their lives um so <laughs> but there would be something interesting in a, in a movie where very consciously coming from a book that's very consciously talking about movies um so uh, well fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed <laughs> I, I no one's rooting for it harder than me believe me <laughs> I just want to see what Frendo would look like uh, on screen. I want to see what they do with. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot they can work with there. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, because I used to do an episode of like upcoming adaptations, and then realize like <laughs> two thirds of them would be made, and then one third of them would just like disappear, or like I would hear nothing about them, and then they're like, anyway, here they are. The weirdest way is like I don't know. I, I've been, I have been like talking with movies and getting more like more dipping my toes in and like you know, I just option to script um, with a co-writer and doing the movie stuff and then talking to movie people is so different than publishing. And it's so different, such a different like world. And like the, the littlest things can make projects fall apart or like they go forward and the things that you never think would end up being movies or end up being TV shows, end up being TV shows or movies. Um, so it seems somewhat arbitrary and uh, a little bit of luck and, you know, a, a little bit of skill. So hopefully we're doing everything right and it becomes a movie. So. I have nothing but faith in that team because they're really, really committed and they're, they really, really want to make a good movie. So, well, the source material is good. So, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. you are a big horror reader. So, what is a book, according to our scary scale, you know, like not that scary being room temperature, semi scary fridge, 
scary, scary freezer. What would be a freezer book for you? I hate I hate to be like the like the thing I already talked about once because I, I did a I did a video earlier today. But I, I, I I've been waiting to talk about this book because I read it a while ago. But um, the only good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. Have mm-hmm. you read that yet? Yeah. Yeah. I there's a scene in that. There's a scene. There's several scenes, but there's one scene in that that I'd say is like an all time freezer freezer moment. Um, and it's kind of like the towards the, towards like the the beginning third of the book. Um, and I just found it so audacious and so disturbing um and so because i didn't quite realize what kind of book and what kind of story i was reading until that happened um this is me to like being complete spoiler phobe and i don't want to spoil it for anyone but that that book comes out i think it comes out next week and um so i'd say that's in a that's in the that's in the freezer for me you know what i like i'm not like the way i just engage with books i never get like i never get super duper scared with books like I just I just enjoy like things that I know are, I like recognize are scary or recognize are I'm like oh that that should haunt me and then it doesn't but I like I like appreciate it just like a yeah like a yeah like a sommelier of a <laughs> of, of that's a, a good of, uh scare of, of the, of the disturbing uh yeah I'm completely inured to it because I've like ruined like video games will scare me video games will scare me movies won't scare me uh books won't scare me there's something about like playing a horror video game, playing like a Silent Hill or something like that, where those things get me really scared because somehow I'm complicit. Like I, I have, I have control things where I don't have control the way I, the way I interface with books and the way I interface with movies. I just don't get super creeped out anymore. So in Stephen Graham Jones's new book, the fact that there is something that riled me makes it a freezer book for me. <laughs> so the jump scares in video games get you more than movie jump scares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's such a, you know, you talk to horror fans. Horror fans are sometimes dismissive of, of jump scares. Like, oh, that's not real horror. That's not true dread or whatever. But there's, it doesn't have to be. There's a different, there's something, uh, you know, there's something physiologically different at work there. And there's something psychologically different at work there. Like a good jump scare is like, I don't know, like a James Wan who can put together jump scare sequences like, you know, like make it look so easy, makes all the bad, lame jump scares and all the bad horror movies look that much lamer because you see, like, wow, this takes real skill and yeah. to like put you in that in that mindset and to get to elicit like a physical reaction out of you out of a, a, a flat image and sound is like is something really cool. Like I like yeah. I like a good jump scare. So they don't they don't get me often, but when they get me, I will fully admit that they do. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the last time? That's funny. I kind of, I kind of can't. I'm like trying to even remember what movie theaters were like, and now I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you made me, uh, made me sad, Stephanie. Because now I'm like, I'm sorry. Oh, the last movie, so like a uh, movie jump scare. Um, there's, there's a couple good ones in, um, in your next, and I know that's like literally like half a decade now, uh, <laughs> going back. But that was, that's like the last time I really remember being like, oh, that was a really good in theater jump scare. Um. Yeah, and again, video games. Like, I played Resident Evil 7 not that long ago, and I, that that scares the crap out of me. That makes me jump, but not not movies. What For you, what was the last big jump scare? That's tough. Um, I, yeah, it is hard. I remember, like, the last one that, like, got me, got me. I was talking with someone was the the Haunting of Hill House Netflix show. Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah. And, Which um, one? <laughs> the one, I think it's, like, episode eight. Like when it's in the car 
<laughs> and I was like, um, two. That got me to the the bed one too, where you see his feet. Like uh, <laughs> that was a, that was a really good one. Yeah, I just be like Mike Flanagan because I was watching Oculus the other day too, and I'm like, oh, this is like creepy. Like, uh, <laughs> get under your skin, dread. I'm excited for his revival um, movie. Yeah, I'm interested to see what he does with it. Like him going back to King is, is 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 interesting and good because I know like a lot of the press around Dr. Sleep was like, why aren't people going to see Dr. Sleep? Should they have called it the shining too? But like, I think it, it proves that, that this stuff lives forever. Cause it was just like trending the other day on Twitter. Like people, people watched it on HBO and you know, I just watched it on HBO. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like, no, like it's, but it was like, there, there was all this doom and gloom about it. And I was like, well, let's, let's hold off. People will, people will find this movie. And, and people did. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. Got to watch the director's cut. It's good. It was good. Yeah. So you you went to the director's cut. You saw the director just the director's cut. Yeah. I I've talked to several people that have either just watched the director's cut or just seen the theatrical, and 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 very few people that have seen both. But I, I'm 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 thinking I, I might attempt it. I don't watch a ton of uh, horror movies with my wife, but I, I I liked it so much in the theater that I might just because I want to see the director's cut. I might try it again. It's quite the time commitment, but yeah, it is. It's it's long. Yeah, it's long. <laughs> Yeah, but I liked it. I thought he did a good job of like sticking to Doctor Sleep and the Shining book and the Shining movie somehow, all in one. Yeah, yeah, that was way I like walked out of the movie theater and it's kind of like, not in the bad way, but I was like, who the hell is this for? Like, how did like how did he <laughs> like like this is like a very specific thing? And I had like I was like I just re-listened to like the Shining audiobook. and I was like, if I hadn't done that, like if there's been even five years between like me reading it like i don't know that i would have like a hundred percent put that ending together put all that stuff together like it but it's a it's a confident movie and it takes like uh real bravery to be like no this is a sequel to a book you know a 40 year old (laughs) book like wow (laughs) so can you talk about what you're working on now a lot of different stuff uh i'm looking to do more comics work uh i'm looking to do another ya novel i can't really talk about what it is yet specifically, but it is another thing that is, it's not a slasher. I'm like, I'm hopping subgenres again, but I'm, I want to stick with YA. Um, and I think I have, I have a way into a, to a type of story that's very popular that doesn't get done as YA a lot. Um, so mm. I, I'm very excited about that. And I just did a, um, just, I just finished up a run on the dark crystal comics um, with boom studios. So I did, uh, four issues of that, and that's gonna in October. That's gonna come out as a hardcover, um, and then I kind of got so comfortable in the world of Dark Crystal that I did a um, in the Dark Crystal, the Jim Henson movie from '82, uh, uh, I think '82, uh, and the Netflix show uh, Age of Resistance. But I, I kind of got very comfortable there, and the editors liked me, and the people at um, the Jim Henson company liked me. So I did the um, the bestiary uh, along with uh, Iris Pete. I wrote all the all the stuff about all the different creatures of the Dark Crystal, like the Skeksis and the the, the Gelfling and stuff like that. So uh, that's also in October. So I've got two actually all age appropriate books coming out in October, and then this book that is um, that I'm sure is is marketed to to younger people, but I'm sure a lot of parents would pick up Clown in a Cornfield and be like, "What the hell are you reading?" <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, as is books in the freezer tradition do you have a chilling obsession or something you've been enjoying in horror lately chilling obsession i've watched uh 
I don't usually do this. I don't usually watch like the same director's movies over and over again. But for the past like uh, three or four weeks, I've only been watching movies that um, Severin Films put out this this box set of this one director's work, uh, Al Adamson. So I've only been watching Al Adamson movies. And the the thing that's like notable about Al Adamson and that that you'll if you look up Al Adamson, everyone just he he directed a bunch of movies like like that Blood of Ghastly Horror and uh, Blood of Dracula's Castle. Movies with blood in the title or Dracula in the title. Dracula versus Frankenstein. And uh, he's kind of notorious as being one of the, the, the quote-unquote worst directors of all time. So I've watched 15 Al Adamson movies. Um, so my brain is like mush. I've just watched these insane movies from the late 60s and uh, to mid-70s uh, in, in chronological order. So... I think that counts as an obsession. Like I've watched, <laughs> I, I, and I'm not quite sure why I did, but I, I I enjoyed every second of it. But that's yeah, that's the weird thing I've been I've been into right now, and I can't really think of anything else just because I've just been watching Al Adamson movies. <laughs> I've been working, watching Al Adamson movies, and walking the dog around the block. That's all I've been doing. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds fun. And then something new that I've started doing based on a tweet that I saw is I've been asking people what their final girl or final guy song would be if they were in a slasher movie. I saw you, I saw you tweet about this and then, uh, this was, so this was like, this is going back like weeks or months when I, when, when I, when I saw this, like be a Twitter game and I didn't think of it then. And then you told me earlier in the day and I was like, yes, I will. And I like, can't think of like, <laughs> I can't think of like anything and anything that I say will sound silly. Cause I kind of like, I was like, I was like, well, do you, like, what approach do you take with it? Do you want to get, like, is it a triumphant, like, Eye of the Tiger type? Like, something you would think yeah. you'd want that. You would think you'd want, I... like, a Katy Perry, you know, <laughs> roar. Yeah, uh, I'm leaving it open. Like, are you coming out and sitting and waiting for the cops? Are you, like, picking up the machete and going after people? Are you, like, what is it? It's open. Counter. It, it could be, like, <laughs> counter-programming where you where you play a, a slow song or, like, a... Yeah. Uh, so it's so hard um i don't know i think the i think the the answer's got to be like um taylor swift like something off of reputation something like that that's a, the, those are those are very forceful like i'm gonna get my revenge songs what's the uh like look what there's, you need to do that, that, like yeah, that, look, that's, there, a good that one. that's a that's a good final that would be my final girl song <laughs> that is a really good one I was gonna say, yeah, that's a good album for that because it also has like I did something bad. It's a good yeah, no, yeah, she's got a, yeah, she's got like that's her, that was her like that was when she was like Taylor was turning heel and she was like getting revenge <laughs> on people. That was her album. Like so, yeah, I was like that's a that, that makes sense for. Uh. Right, yeah, that's a good one. I will add it. I have a Spotify playlist where I am keeping people's answers. So if people want to go and check out what people have said, there. Please, uh, yeah, please send it to me. <laughs> I want to hear everyone's uh, everyone's final girl and yeah, guy. Yeah. I haven't been doing it that long, so there's not that many, but it'll keep growing with each episode. There you go. That's the way to go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, it's just adamcaesar.com. Like, I'm sure it's showing up in their podcast window, my name, if you just do that.com uh, or search me on Amazon or any any bookseller. Um, and uh, if I can um, spam a little bit. Please, uh, yeah. Please, uh, if you're if you're hearing this and you like slashers, or if you don't even think you like slashers, please pick up Clown in the Cornfield. I would be so appreciative, and uh, I want to know what you think about it because I'm very, very proud of the book. Yes, and I second that. Go pick it up, August 25th. Pre-order it now. 
Yeah, if you pre-order it now, you'll there's enough time. That's like a month and twenty days, month and eighteen days. You might even forget, and it'll be like you sent yourself a gift. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Stephanie. Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at BooksFreezerPod, on Instagram at BooksInTheFreezer, or at Facebook.com slash BooksInTheFreezer. You can send us an email at BooksInTheFreezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at BooksInTheFreezer.com. You can also find us on Patreon under, of course, Books in the Freezer. Uh, Another way to support the podcast is just by doing your normal Amazon shopping and clicking our Amazon link that'll be in the show notes for you. But of course, you don't have to spend any money to support the podcast. You can spread the word, post on social media, or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All of those things are very important and they are very helpful. So thank you to all of you who have already taken the time to do that. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N on Instagram as That's What She Read. That's with two A's. And on YouTube as That's What She Read. Join us next time for Books in the Freezer. Books in the Freezer.